Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. This is Sunday Edition with Anthony Corona. Every week here on ACB Media One, that's American Council of the Blind, Media One, and soon after on all your major podcast catchers. Each week, we'll dive into the news, human interest, and discussions about the issues surrounding all of us in and out of the American Council of the Blind community. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sunday Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Corona, and I am here with Sheila. Hey, Sheila. Sorry, I was <laughs> muted. That's okay. Sheila Hi. will be handling the hands today. You? I'm good. How was your week? My week has been pretty good. And before I forget, I just want to wish everybody out there a very happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> awesome awesome connecting us to clubhouse is lucy 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 hey lucy hey anthony good to be here thank you thank you and of course executive producer extraordinaire ms brain lee hey brain brain how are you i pushed the buttons yay buttons <laughs> and knobs yeah hi good afternoon good afternoon how was your week anything exciting going on uh, well, on Friday, I went down to the uh, district court and I filed the paperwork to do my name change. So, Yay. yeah, so Bryn June Lee will be my new full legal name once I get all the stuff processed. So that's exciting. BJL, Bryn, Bryn yeah. June Lee. That is yeah. very pretty. I am yeah. very happy. Thank you. How long does the process take? You know, um, I have to wait for a letter to come back um, from the court saying, this is your judge, this is your, you know the phone number for the judge's office. <clears throat> and once I have that, I can call them and book an appointment for a court date. Uh, and then I have to bring two witnesses to the court um, and, you know, go before the judge. And, you know, they just kind of, I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen at the hearing. Um, but, you know, the judge will ask me questions or whatever, make me do the little dance or whatever. And then they will uh, sign the piece of paper and then I can take it to the DMV and Social Security and all that stuff, you know, and say, hey, I've got a legal name change um, court order here. Uh, so, yeah, gimme, gimme. <laughs> so I guess it'll oh. probably take a couple of months, I guess. Well, awesome. I'm we're so very happy for you. I want to take a moment of personal privilege and give a huge shout out to my Behind the Music co-host and someone who makes so many of us sound amazing on karaoke. A huge shout out to Mr. Tim Cummings. He also edits and produces some of our Pride Connection episodes and the member at the mic, a member on the mic um offering through the ACB Voices blog. Tim, you rock, man. And after last night, I you I you should be doing this professionally. So a huge shout out there. 
I also would like to wish a very happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there a couple of days early. And speaking of Thanksgiving, my mouth is watering and my bidding fingers are getting a little itchy. So um, Leslie Spoon is here to tell us all about that auction that many, 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 many of us are looking forward to. Leslie, welcome back to Sunday Edition. Thank you, Anthony. How are you? I'm good, and 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 my uh, partner over here is saying those fingers better not be that itchy. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, yes, they should, they should. Don't listen to him. <laughs> so thank you for having me back. I really appreciate it. It is that time of the year, so if you need gifts for your special someone or just for yourself, uh, get ready right after you eat all that big turkey or whatever you're having for your food, ham or whatever you guys have for that wonderful holiday, you can shop, shop, shop and bid till your heart is content on Friday, November 24th, Saturday, November 25th and the sneak a peek appetizer auction. You can call me or Dan or email me um, with your bids and <clears throat> excuse me, updates will come out throughout the day, the, both of those days. It starts noon Eastern on Friday, closes Saturday at noon, Second day starts at Saturday at noon and closes Sunday at noon. And then the main event happens Sunday night. I get to sit back and relax and bid myself. So my fingers will be itching. There's lots of wonderful stuff. Oh, my gosh. People have been so, so generous. So thank you to you, Anthony. Thank you to everybody. If I start naming names, I'll forget people. But everybody's been so, so generous. And Sunday, we're starting an hour earlier. So 6 p.m. Eastern. So mark your calendar. Set your clock. Set all your devices. So 6 p.m. Eastern, we will start. It'll be on ACB Media One. All the proceeds go to ACB Media, which we love so much. All these wonderful programs like yours and Tuesday Topics and everything that we listen to, community, karaoke that I listened to last night. So everything that we listen to, all the proceeds go to ACB Media. And Anthony, I have to just take a, a, a special privilege um, moment real quickly. This is the 12th annual ACB holiday auction uh, media. Wow. It used to be media uh, holiday, just ho ACB holiday auction. So 12 years ago, if we think back, it started with Brenda and Carla and Larry Turnbull and just wonderful people. Um, I get so emotional when I talk about them because, you know, Carla is still, you know, wonderful. Carla was, still, yeah. yeah, Carla. <laughs> but, but Brenda and, and Larry, you know, uh, when we yeah. started, it was in at, at um, a studio in Louisville, Kentucky, when we started, and it was in their their studio. We all went, Patty and Carla and Brenda and Larry and I and a couple other people. We ordered pizza. We had brownies. We ate all night long. <laughs> <laughs> so um, now to think how it's come so far and it's going to ACB Media, it just it nears and dears my heart. So I can't say enough to everybody, even if you don't bid and you, you can't bid, just come and listen. It's so much fun. There's five segments this year. Uh, there's a new auctioneer, not new to us, Colby Garrison. She'll be our closer with Mary Hop. Uh, we have the old timers and, you know, uh, coming back, which is wonderful. Cindy and Deb, first segment. Dan and Kim, second segment. And uh, Zelda and Michael, the third segment. And Jeff and... Jeff Tom and Terry Lenagashi for the fourth. And then the closer will be Colby Garrison and Mary Hop. So if you're on the West Coast, 
no excuse. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for having me on and bid, bid, bid. And please keep my phones ringing Friday and Saturday. I feel like I, a PBS, you know, here. <laughs> So. Absolutely. And before you go, let me say a general thank you from all of ACB. You put a lot of work into all of these auctions. You're going year round. So thank you for that. And why don't you tell folks how they can support the auction if they don't want to bid or can't bid this year, but want to send a little bit in for shipping? Oh, sure. Definitely. Yay. Yeah. I always forget that part. So thank you. So You're yeah, if, if you guys didn't make it in for donating and you want to still help out, you you can do shipping. Uh, you can still call me. We can put you on the list. You don't have to pay um, till after the auction for shipping. The The list are already done. So I'll try and get you in. We have, this is, this is a record, Anthony. So thank you for mentioning shipping because this is really a record with, I say everybody's been so generous. There's 22 names I get to memorize on Sunday night. <laughs> so 22 people and affiliates have donated towards shipping. So I think that's a record. Summer I had 14 and I was stressing out about that. So I'm going to be on my treadmill Friday and Saturday and memorizing names. So, <laughs> so yeah, awesome. if you still want to sh uh, donate towards shipping, there's still time. I just don't know if you'll be recognized that night, but we really, really appreciate it. It really helps towards shipping. We don't, we, um, when you donate, when you bid and win an item, you don't have to pay for shipping. So that's, that's really nice from the auction committee and everybody that's donated towards shipping. So, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I thank you for coming. Thanks. So. <laughs> you know, you are always welcome here on Sunday edition. I am going to transition and ask Lucy to come up. You know, in 2020, when the pandemic first hit and we were all figuring out what community was going to be, I um, had the opportunity to host what we called that year the um, uh, ACB Family Holiday Table, and it has turned into Friendsgiving. So, Lucy, can you give a few details about this year's Friendsgiving? Sure. This is our fourth annual Thanksgiving event, as Anthony said, now called Friendsgiving. And it's an basically an eight-hour social with nonstop hosts and facilitators coming up every hour, talking about different topics each hour. And so it started when we were all isolated and couldn't get together with family. And so it was really super important to join in community events, to have some place to go and be connected with people. And we all still feel that way, even though we can still get together with family. When we're not with our families, we spend the time with community. And it's just a, a great place for people to go that, that don't have anywhere physically to go on the holiday. And um, yeah, it's just a, a lot of people that put a lot of hard work into it. And so thank you to all the hosts and facilitators who have volunteered to help out with this this year. So yeah, it's just a great event. It starts Thursday at noon Eastern and goes until 8 p.m. Eastern. So pop in whenever you can and say hi and just uh, spend some time with us. So thanks, Anthony. Awesome. awesome, awesome, awesome. And can you tell us who our volunteer of the month is? <laughs> well, awesome, yes, awesome, I awesome. can. 
But first, let me just say that Friendsgiving will also be in Clubhouse and also on ACB Media 5. So nice. our awesome. volunteer of the month was Tom, is Tom Kaufman. Yeah. Yes, he, uh, he's awesome. Does awesome, a lot awesome. of hosting, you know, steps up when we need somebody on a spur of the moment. And uh, he does a couple of community calls and karaoke and all kinds of cool stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Congratulations, Tom. We love you, man. All right. Thank you so much, Lucy. And I hope everyone at least drops into one of the hours of Friendsgiving. I know I'll be there a few times throughout the day. I'm sure Sheila will be there. Hopefully Brent will stop in and say hello. But um, I actually will be on the four to five. I will be four there to from five. four to five Thursday. So. All right. Awesome. We're going to go to a little bit of a somber note. Uh, later in the program, we'll be talking to Gabriel Lopez Cafati and people from Decapta Media will be uh, getting a little insight on how the simultaneous translation of the gala happened and, and hear a little bit about Decapta and other Spanish language programming. But um, we're going to celebrate the life of Freddie Pico. Um, full disclosure, I, I've never met or interacted with Freddie, but um, I always say that Sunday Edition is not my show. It is ACB show, all of us. And if anybody has an idea or has a program that, that needs a home, um, Sunday Edition is, is a place that you can come to. So Sandra Sermons is going to sort of take over for a while. And um, this is a celebration of life for Freddie Pico. Welcome back to Sunday Edition, Sandra. Thank you very much, Anthony. I really appreciate this opportunity. Um, it is definitely an honor and a privilege to come to you today to celebrate something that is bittersweet. So, of course, Freddie did pass away. However, this is a celebration of life. So we are just welcoming everyone to the tribute to Freddie Pico. We want to pay homage to her, who she was in her life, and ultimately her legacy. So let's start from the beginning. A little bit about Freddie. Freddie Lily Pico was born on December 3rd, 1940, in a place called Wadesboro, North Carolina. She ended up losing her vision when she was sprayed with DT pesticide as a young child. So she then attended the Governor Moorhead School for the Blind in North Carolina. Needless to say, she attended, she graduated and went on to attend the prestigious Howard University, which is located in Washington, DC. She graduated from Howard in 1965 with a double major in sociology and psychology. She then went on to obtain a master's degree from my alma mater, the American University in Public Relations and Journalism. Wonderful American University. During her freshman year at Howard, she met the love of her life and future husband, James Pico Jr. They were married in June of 1967. 
she was an active member of the Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority. She also worked at the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped for over 40 years. She retired from NLS in 2009. So after four decades of service, over four decades of service, she retired. Wow. She was, that is a long time to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> so she was an active member in the American Council of the Blind, um, particularly in her capacity as working for NLS. I think she attended 40 conventions which again is a long time to do anything. She was also an active member of the District of Columbia Council of the Blind where she was president on several occasions. She's a longtime member of the Northeastern Presbyterian Church located in Northwest DC. And she actually was an ordained elder at this church. She lived her life determining being determined to overcome obstacles, starting from being a young child, living in the segregated South, but she still managed to overcome. She went to school, she went to university, she actually ended up with a double master's degree. She raised a family, she worked full-time. No mean feat, but she did when she overcame obstacles, she did it with such style and such grace and such class that she made it look easy. That's no easy she feat made, either. No, <laughs> no, it's not. Because no matter what was going on, she still had the bearing of a regal, classy woman of the South. And her goal, she was passionate about Braille. She, she devoted her professional and personal careers to promoting Braille, to ensuring that people who are blind or visually impaired have as much Braille as they need in order to be successful and to be able to contribute to society. That was what she lived for. That was who she was. She, and this is what we ultimately are going to discuss today, but she is still survived. Um, her husband, James, passed away prior to her, but she is survived by her son, James Pico III, his wife, Laura, and four grandchildren, Danielle, Rachel, Niel, and Naeem, along mm -hmm. with many many family and friends. One of the things that struck me when I attended her homegoing service is they asked for people who were members of the class of 1965 of Howard University and there were at least 20 people. So a huge contingent. But I digress. So what we're going to do is various people are going to share their reflections of Freddie, who she was, how they how she impacted their lives, 
and how they are the better for having known her. Without further ado, Mr. Scott Marshall, please take it away. Thank you, Sandra. And um, hello, everyone. It was 1970. I was a sophomore in college in Rochester, New York. And I was waiting for a very important telephone call from Washington. But let me give you the background first. I had studied Latin throughout high school and two years of college. And I got this idea that I wanted to study Greek, classical Greek as well, because I never had any abilities with modern languages, quite frankly. I could never pronounce the words correctly. In 1970, you had to get your books. Uh, You were rather limited as where you could get your accessible books. It was either the Library of Congress, a private lending library, or the book had to be hand transcribed into Braille using Perkins Braille Writer. And these were incredible volunteers, all of whom were heroes in my book, because they could produce everything from mathematics to modern languages, given enough time, advanced time to do so. But in 1970, I had some other requirements that weren't, well, that were complicated. I needed the works of Homer in Braille, in classical Greek. I could not find that in the United States. And there was one volunteer that said she could help, but she was not available. And quite frankly, there wouldn't have been enough time. I was up against the, you've got to transfer out of this course or make a change. (laughs) And I certainly didn't want it incomplete on my transcript at, uh, at university. So I was advised to call the the uh, National Library Service. It was the Division for the Blind and Physically Handicapped at that time. Remember, we were all handicapped back then. <laughs> um, and I did, left a message. And then I was waiting for this phone call. And, you know, if you're under 30, you won't know what I'm talking about. But back then... There were party lines, more than you, you couldn't get a private telephone line, or if you could, it was very expensive. And your neighbors would share with you on the on the on the line. And at the university, you know, two dormitory rooms shared one line. So I had to say, hey Bob, stay off the line for a while. I'm expecting a call. And uh, a call from Washington. And even that was significant because Long-distance calls weren't a ubiquitous thing like they are today either. Well, anyway, I got the call from a very soft-spoken, gentle lady with a decided uh, southern twang. I explained my story to her, and she said, well, Mr. Marshall, I don't think anybody ever called me Mr. Marshall before then. Mr. Marshall was my father. I think I can help you. I think I can get this material from London. And to make a long story short, 
Friday he delivered. Two weeks later, I got five heavy Braille volumes packed in canvas bags that had been emailed, not emailed, forgive me, uh, air snail mailed. mailed. <laughs> yeah, air mailed, not snail mail. No, no, no. That wouldn't have been, it would have taken too long to get there. Snail wow. mail. Wow. So I thought, oh my God, what is this going to cost? In fact, it never cost me a dime. I don't know whether the library paid for it or Freddie paid for it or the Brits paid for it. I don't know. But anyway, I was able to complete the course successfully. Turn the clock ahead to today. Interlibrary loan is internationally is much more commonplace. I see Tamara on the on the call today and she knows a whole lot more about this than I do, but and that's thanks to the Marrakesh Treaty that I believe was first agreed to in 2010 and was later, uh, nine or 10 years later, adopted by the United States Senate. And now books do pass between countries without any problem. But if you think about it, Freddie was able to do her own Marrakesh Treaty for this blind kid that she didn't know in Rochester, New York, just because he needed a Braille book to read in Greek. I do have another uh, commitment this afternoon, so I'm going to respectfully excuse myself from the live call, but I will listen to the replay because there's a lot to Freddie's story that I haven't even covered and that will, I'm sure, be covered by others. And uh, as Paul Harvey used to say, there's, you know, and by then you will have heard the rest of the story. Thanks. Well, thank you, Scott, for being here. And, and thank you, hear Scott. The emotion in your voice. Thank you so much for sharing. Folks, um, if you want to share about Freddie, let's get the hands up so we have an idea of how many people want to share. Sandra, are you ready to run, Judy? Yes, I am. All right, Bryn, um, let's run Judy's testimonial. Judy Dixon, Miss Braille herself. <laughs> All right, here she is. I first met Freddie in 1981 when I was hired by the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped, as we called it then. They had created a consumer relations section and... Freddie and I were both staff members of that section. I was the head of the section, and she was the volunteer coordinator, which meant she worked with volunteer groups, helped them get organized, stay together, helped them find things to do. And she also helped blind people find a volunteer to produce books for them. She actually helped me when I was a high school student before I ever came to NLS, I talked to Freddie Pico on the phone in Washington, D.C., and she helped me find volunteers to record books and get books brailed for me. She was a very serious and dedicated Braille reader. She loved Braille, and she was devoted to Braille. We worked in the consumer relations section together for eight years. In 1989, Freddie moved to the NLS reference section, and she became 
Her title was something like the government documents specialist, but she still did the same thing. She helped people get documents produced. She advised government agencies on, yes, you do need to have accessible documents. And this was long before it was the law. She was very active and concerned about access and that people should have the documents they needed, they should have the information they needed. She had kind of a love-hate relationship with technology. She was pretty good at using her computer in the office. But when she retired in 2009, she would stop by NLS every few weeks for help with her iPhone. And she got pretty good at it. But I don't think she ever really loved it. She kind of thought it was amusing that somebody would really love an iPhone. She always knew what everyone was doing. She'd call me from time to time, and she always had news of who had moved where and who had a new grandchild. She really kept up with the people who had retired from NLS, and even the people who were still there. She knew more about them than I ever did. We'll all miss Freddie a lot. And we say to you, Freddie, rest in peace. Thanks, Bren. Absolutely. Very, very profound, um, very profound words. Um, I'm here to tell you that till the day she died, that, that phone, that iPhone was the bane of her existence. <laughs> she, 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 she tolerated it on a good day, but for the most part, if if she could somehow do without it, she she used the phone to communicate with people. But in terms of pulling things up and emailing and te- no, no, she 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 did not um, um like her phone um and. It, as regal and as classy as she was, if you ever wanted to get her fired up, talk about the phone, the iPhone. And <laughs> <laughs> she was guaranteed to, <laughs> to say something about her phone and, and how much trouble it was giving her on any given day. Um, we do have another person who would like to speak to their experiences working with Freddie and knowing who she is. Um, Debbie Brown, can you please raise your hand? Her hand is raised, Sandra. Fabulous. Can you send her the unmute prompt, please? Uh, Deborah, Debbie Brown, go ahead and unmute. Um. Okay. So, Freddie, I started working for NLS in 1988. So that was a little bit uh, later than Scott Marshall um, talked to Freddie and, and uh, worked with her. So, but she um helped me to make contact when i was in college and uh um start getting certified in uh uh the uh literary braille one and then the proofreading certification so she kind of um had a little bit of expediting in that but i started to work for the library of congress in 1988 um and she as as everybody has talked about that the her obvious characteristic of of her her dignity and professionalism um she 
I believe that she worked at the uh, ACB conventions kind of alone for many years. And I, I worked, I'm, I'm in the NFB and Mr. Silky liked to send you where, you know, he thought is it where you wanted to go or where you were going to go. And well, I had a couple of people out there helping me out, but Freddie, I think for many years was spent a lot of time or at least several days out there alone. And, and knowing Freddie, um, you know, working for several hours. I'm sure you never quite saw her looking tired or anything, even though I'm sure she probably was, because you do get tired at those conventions. Um, so I do remember she was certainly as a, 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 a real professional. And I remember that I would go to the National Braille Association conferences, and uh, she she was, as everybody has said before, uh, I'm I'm going to use a less polite term, a good schmoozer. Um, she belong, you know, knew how to interact with several organizations, and she um, was at some of the sessions, and they began to ask young children in school about Braille and the Braille they received and the things they didn't didn't like about the Braille they received, and there's a lot of whining about thermoform and those of some of you probably don't even know what thermoform is but uh those of us who grew up in a certain era know about you know it's plastic braille and it um produced by um you know get the uh, get it hot so that it will about the dots will um mold onto the plastic and that's kind of sticky and um and these kids were kind of whining about it and and freddie you know you know, she doesn't say, little brats, shut up. You ought to be grateful for what you have. She spoke in a very dignified way. She says, you know, we, we were we were just we were just happy that we had any Braille at all. And, you know, when we were growing up and she knew how to make that sound not uh, as, as judgmental or just as that's the way it was. And uh, um, so and she had she did have her fun. I was at um, Colorado Springs um in may of course it snows in may in colorado springs and it, it snowed while we were out there and a uh, snowball showed up in the meeting room uh, from freddie pico you know just kind of just i guess showing that you know it it is may and it's snowing and uh that's that's what's going on and she um you know we we, we do as um we actually invited her back to um, manage a, um, a question and answer session about blindness and we could think of nobody better than freddie pico to to lead this session and to know how to ask the questions know when to do a follow-up just just know how to do of one of her many skills is to be um a good interviewer um on you know very serious topic of teaching you know t training people about disability because she had been doing that for a very long time and you know, we're living in a world full of incivility and all kinds of bad things. And, you know, we want to, I, I mean, I want to make Freddie Pico my model of how to be, how to be civil, how to be dignified, how to be classy in any professional interaction. Thank you all for, thank you, Sandra, and, and everybody for inviting me. Thank you very much, Debbie. I really appreciate that. Okay, so what I'd like to do now is Anthony, I believe initially you asked, um, you wanted to see how many other people there were who wanted to speak. Did you get that? Yeah. Count? Sheila, can we get a hand count? You've got four. Okay. Okay. So let's take some of them. Let's start with Pam Shaw. 
Hello, Misha. Hey, welcome back to Sunday Edition. (laughs) Hey, hey, it's always a pleasure to come back because there's no place like home. So thanks for having me here this afternoon. (laughs) What a woman to have an opportunity to talk about this afternoon. And when people ask me how long did I know Freddie, I can't answer the question because I don't remember a time when I didn't know her. But I do know that my first encounter was with her was when I came to go to graduate school at Howard University. And Howard makes a big deal about networking and connecting people and things like that, because um, what they do is try to make sure that you have some type of a role model. And what an honor to have someone like Freddie Pico as a role model. And we, you know, I was one of those people that would call her whenever I was trying to do some research and couldn't find what I was looking for. And she always helped me out. But where Freddie touched my heart was in the personal discussions that we had, because they were probably there, but we didn't know them. So I don't want to deny that anyone existed. But frankly, in certain fields and certain professions, there were not a lot of blind black women. And so when I needed to talk about some personal things, Freddie was kind of my person. And I can remember this day, some of the advice that she gave me. She told me, she said, Pam, always remember who you are. And you conduct and carry yourself with respect for yourself. People are going to have a lot to say to you and about you, some good, some not so good. But don't forget that through it all, you were still somebody with value who has a lot to give. And also we talked about something that she taught me how to do. And I think this was one of the keys why she was so respectful. She said, and just remember, love everybody, you'll be fine. And I never forgot that she was that person who taught me how to care for and care about people. And she teased me because when I started working at the information desk at um, convention. She said, gee, Pam, you really took something from me. You don't leave your post. She said, every time I briefly am able to get away from from, um, doing my exhibit, there you are (laughs) at the information desk. And I said, well, you always were the person, you excellent role model, a person no matter what happens. And really, to be honest with you, she has left a legacy. And while I think, obviously, it's the things that she knew, I think it was her basic attitude about people and how to treat them and how to love them. So thank you very, very much to Sunday Edition and Sandra for um, just the opportunity to share about a great woman and one who impacted my life a a lot. Thanks for allowing me to share. Thank you. What a testimonial from role model. Yeah, and look at look at who you are now, Pam. So that's a testimonial within itself. Thank you so much for sharing. All right, you ready for the next one? I think yes. so. All right, we've got the entire National Federation of the Blind of DC here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that may be Sean Calloway. That is me. Hello, Sean. You're up. How next. you doing? Oh, thank you Just so fine. much. Thank you. Great. Um, thank you, Sandra, for inviting me to speak. Um, you know, I, I, I adore Freddie uh, so much. Um, as cliche as to say all the time that, you know, the, this is the nicest person you ever met. But Freddie was one of the nicest people I ever met in my life. 
Uh, I actually met her while uh, I was waiting to participate for the first time in a board meeting, friends of the uh, library board meeting at the Martin Luther King Library. I was sitting chatting with Oral Miller and Oral and I was just talking and she walked up and she said, who do we have here? I said, well, my name is Sean Calloway, you know, president of the National Federation of Blind of DC. She said, well, it's a pleasure to meet you and welcome to the board. And so right off the bat, she and I started talking and found out we had so much in common. You know, her husband and I are fraternity brothers. Uh, she's a part of, as Sandra mentioned, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, which is our sort of sister uh, sorority. And, uh, and she lived five minutes away from my house. And um, when, when we talked for that first time, we exchanged numbers. And there were times where I would pick up the phone just to call her just to check on her and see how she was doing. And she would do the same for me. But behind that, that, that soft-spoken voice, oftentimes people think that you're not a strong person, right? When you're not one who's loud and boisterous. Uh, when Freddie needed to get a point across, she got it across. Uh, it was one of those that don't, don't, don't judge a book by its cover. That, that was Freddie. Um, you know, she was very uh, a strong advocate, as many of you mentioned, for Braille. She loved talking about Braille, especially uh, for the children within the District of Columbia. Um, you know, she and I worked together to, uh, for the first time, have a sort of a white cane day at the uh, D.C. Council building, uh, which had never been done. And she and I worked together in, in making sure that happened. Also, we worked together to have uh, a white cane day for the first time done at the Office of Disability Rights in Washington, D.C. as well. Um, I, I echo Pam's sentiments in the sense of that, you know, there are not a, a, a lot of discussions about, you know, African-American blind people, you know, and she and I had a lot of thought-provoking discussions in regards to that. As a matter of fact, Freddie and I met a couple of times at the Carolina Kitchen. Uh, Freddie loved to eat as well. I don't think that was ever mentioned, but we we sat and talked and, you know, just talked about life. Um, we we put our organizations to the side to have personal discussions that will, you know, empower me as a person. But the, the discussion I never forget is when I informed her that I was going to be a father for the first time. And, uh, you know, and, and, and I mean, Freddie was... I, I'd never seen somebody so happy for individual because I became a father for the first time at 42 years old. And, uh, excuse me. Mm. You know, uh, when I, when my baby was born, Freddie gave me dozens of gifts for my child. And, uh, you know, and I had only known her, I met her in 2012. My baby was born in 2014. And she showered my baby with gifts as if we known each other for years. And so, um, you know, we could talk about the advocates and talk about a lot of the work she's done uh, in, in, in the community, the blind community. But the personal side of Freddie is, is, is the most, I'm telling you, it's the most genuine person you ever want to meet. Um, she was a straight shooter. You never had to figure out what Freddie was thinking about. You know, she told you. Um, again, you can hide. You, 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 a person can show themselves as being soft, soft-spoken and classy, and that's what she was. 
But but Freddie was a fighter too. And she had no problems getting her points point across about anything she had to say. Uh, it was truly an honor to serve one of the uh, Friends of the Library board with her, um, you know, because I learned so much from her. And um, again, I, I'm just so grateful uh, that I was able to just give my reflections on Freddie. Uh, like I said, uh, one of the most genuine, nicest people you ever want to meet. And, uh, uh, you know, she she will be sorely missed. So, Sandra, thank you so much. And I, I did mention my child. I actually got to get her to a, a little birthday party at <laughs> <laughs> a little bit after two o'clock. So I, I got a skedaddle, but um, thank you. Thank you all for the opportunity. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love what you said about sort of putting organizations to the side and celebrating Freddie Pico for who she was. Amen. She was an amazing person. Um, I myself learned a great deal from her. And initially when we first met, she was more like a mom, but as I got older, she started to, I would offer some suggestions or something, and she started to approve of them. And, oh, I like your thinking on that, Stan. Stan, that's a good idea. And you know what? I can't tell you how good that made me feel. Um, I think, actually, um, Tamara, are you on the phone? If so, please raise your hand to be identified. She has. Her, her hand ah, is up. Okay. Okay, please send her the unmute button. Tamara. Hi. Hey. Hi, Sandra. Hi, everyone. Um, I it first of all, let me say that it does me such uh, I, I feel so grateful to be able to be here and hear all the thoughts about Freddie. I think it's so wonderful that we're doing this to or you all are doing this to honor her because I think it's so important to acknowledge when people have been uh present in your life and and you know um have, have provided such uh, comfort for people. I met Freddie, um, I can't say for sure when I met her. I'm sure I spoke to her over the years by phone uh, as I called into the library for various things. But I met her in person in the 90s, early 90s. I started attending ACB conferences for various jobs that I was in. And Freddie was always there with her husband, which, you know, he always came with her to the conferences. They took it as their vacation, but she was also working, as someone pointed out, and I think she was working alone quite often at, uh, I think maybe Debbie said, at the um, NLS desk, which I always went by because I was always wondering what was new with the library, you know. So I would always um, meet Freddie, and her husband would be there around, and, you know, uh, occasionally we would have a, a meal together or something and she was just amazingly gracious and always positive even when I mean not it wasn't positive like fake positive it was positive she could put a positive spin on negative things she acknowledged the negative but she would put a positive spin on it and she had already retired from NLS by the time I started working there. She retired about five years before I started working there. But when I got to DC, I knew that Freddie was in DC. So uh, I started looking her up and I called her a few months after I became employed. And I said, hi, Freddie, it's, it's Tamara. And she goes, hi, I was wondering if you were gonna call me. You know, I heard that you had gotten the job. And um, 
So we continued our relationship, and I actually visited her, visited her at her home a few times. She didn't visit me at my home because I have a cat, and Freddie did not like cats. So she she never visited me at my home but um, because of that. But she always used to call me, and she would say, I have a technology issue. And more than not, it was that iPhone that she really abhorred, but she used it anyway. Um, but she would call me and we would have all these good chats about life, about ACB, about NLS, about women's issues, African-American issues. She was always someone who you could talk to, you could tell whatever you wanted to tell her, and you knew that it always stayed with her. She never was a gossip, but she was very good sounding board and um, we often called upon her. I know a few years ago, uh, we did a program at NLS or actually it was for the Library of Congress. Um, and the program was on race relations for people with disabilities. And the first person we called to be on the panel was Freddie because she had lived, you know, she had lived in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. So she knew it all. And we talked about how you know the schools for the blind used to be segregated so it was just a wonderful opportunity I am so grateful that I got to know Freddie turns out we were both from North Carolina and in one of our last conversations we talked about taking the train to North Carolina together and then she would have her family pick her up there we never got a chance to do that because she ended up moving to California but um, you know, she's going to be sorely missed by me, by many of us, and her legacy will live on. And so that's all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you, Tamara. And, and I just think that this continuing theme, you know, Freddie has a legacy and quiet warrior, just because she was soft spoken and okay, but she was still a quiet warrior because she meant what she said and she said what she meant um i think there are three other people who had their hands raised you've got two uh terry pacheco okay hello terry hi sandra i don't even know where to begin on freddie um i first met freddie i think in 1979 at the grand rapids acb convention um and always saw her every year at uh, at the NLS table in the exhibit hall. Uh, I remember discussing at the through the years the old flexible discs and when the cassettes came in and you know just so many things um, that she was always there and always willing to help everyone. There was so much of that with Freddie. And I think so many people have touched on so many issues today. I think that there's something that has not been touched upon. And it is unfortunate um, because one of the main things that Freddie was also very, very involved with was the Metropolitan Washington Ear. And she was right up until her passing. She was the president emeritus of the Metropolitan Washington Ear, which to this day has over 5,000 listeners in the greater metropolitan area and throughout the country now, because they're also streaming on uh, TuneIn. And she was always there. She was on the board of directors 
of the year for, I think it's close to 40 years. I know it's more than 30. And as president currently of the Metropolitan Washington Year, I wish I had known that you were doing this. You had reached out to us that you were doing this call because there is going to be another tribute and it's we're uh, planning to do it in January. And I just want everyone to know of about it. That's going to be, we're hoping, a simulcast between the Metropolitan Washington Ear and the ACB Media. And it will be taking place in January. We had not announced it yet because the media has had so much to do with the audio description uh, project, uh, awards gala, and the auction. But you will be hearing a lot more about it. Several of the people on this call are all being invited to speak on it at that time. But the basic thing that I really want to uh, cover today is Freddie was not only, yes, Freddie was extremely into Braille and people learning Braille and that, but Freddie was also a huge advocate for decades for people who were not maybe into Braille, especially people who were losing vision, who were older blind, who needed to be able to get the daily news, the weekly news in their area, um, she worked absolutely tirelessly for years and years on on that. And that's what the Metropolitan Ear was about and still is about. And it has a dial-in service. And Freddie was one of the people who probably did as almost as much as Margaret Fansteel, the founder um, of that organization, to, and as I say, to this day, we still have over five thousand listeners uh, in the you know throughout the country, and many many of them are people who are in their seventies, eighties, nineties, who don't have another way of uh, necessarily easily getting their information besides by telephone. And Freddie did so much advocating for that. Whenever we needed, whenever funding was needed, um, Freddie was always the first one who would be testifying before any local or county or state or federal uh, funding sources. Freddie has, has done so much work for tens of thousands of people throughout this country. And that's something that, as somebody just said, she was a quiet warrior. It's the part, yes, she was the perfect lady all the time, um, had great charm, had so many things going that, that everyone loved Freddie for. But there's so much more of Freddie to Freddie Picos's legacy that we have not had the opportunity yet to, uh, touch on today, but we will definitely be doing that in January, along with many of the issues that came up today. I know when I first met her, I didn't know much about National Library Service because in the state where I grew up, we had a huge um, program for getting textbooks and such 
recorded through our local prison system. And so we never really were exposed to NLS. It was really Freddie who exposed me to it and to, and to so many more of us. And the same held true with ACB, with the library users, with Braille. Um, she talked me into uh, pursuing my, I had started to learn Braille when I was in high school. And she taught, she convinced me to conf- to continue my Braille uh, education, and and she did that with so many others. And she and yes, whenever yes. somebody needed help, Freddie was the one who was there to help them, whatever yes. their problem may be, and whether it was for fundraising or um, grant writing, Freddie was the person who did more of that for all of us in the blindness community than so many more who will ever, ever understand. Because the one thing about Freddie is she always did things in the background. She never looked for the accolades. And that's what I have to say. Thank you. Thank you very much, Terry. Thank you so much. I think we're up to one more person. Um, You have two hands. Jane. Okay. Jane, Jane, go ahead. I have been a reader all my life. I've been a lover of libraries all my life. And for several terms, I served as an advisory, in an advisory um, capacity for NLS, um, for the Department of, of Services, you know, talking books and braille books. I never met Freddie, but what she did for me because of who she was, because other people talked about her, she gave me permission to never be flippant with myself. And when people would say to me, how do you deal with issues of color? I'd say, oh, well, I don't see it, so it's okay. Knowing who she was challenged me to never be flippant about anybody's identity. And her service to the community um, of folks who are blind, regardless of any organization they belong to, the, the testimony she gave me was, pick out what you want to do and get it done. And um, I started to learn UEB, and that was fine. But I wanted to become a proofreader because I love reading to children. And I started the NFB sponsored course and dropped out. I just couldn't believe it. I read Braille all my life, and yet I couldn't do this thing. Slowly but surely, because of her example, I've turned back around and picked it up. So I commend her, and I got so tired of, pardon me for this, I got, I got so weary of hearing about Helen Keller. It was a relief and an utter joy to learn who she was, where she worked, what all she did. So I, that's all I want to say, but she's been an example, whether I ever talked to her directly or not, and she's encouraging me now to do what I do. Thank you, Thank you Jane. You. Yes. 
And one more, the last person. Landra. This is the first time I've ever heard of her. Freddie. Um, Pico. Tober. Huh? Her last name was Pico. Yes. Pico. Yeah. I mean, I had no idea that she was the alpha, uh, uh, one of the alpha, alpha, alpha sorority people. Um, I've been an avid reader for a great deal of my life since uh, I learned Braille. And this is the first I've ever heard of a lady like that. And um, I mean, other than doing the Alpha Kappa sorority, I mean, do you know she did any other, I mean, for working for the Library National Service for the Blind, uh, Yes, she did that. I didn't know it. But does anybody know when her, you know, when her birthday was and when day she died? All right. Thank you, Calandra. Sandra. Thank you, Calandra. Thank you. Um, so she passed away on... September, excuse me, September 1st, 2023, and her birthday, I truly hope I don't get this wrong because I just, my notes are not in front of me, but December 4th, 1940. So Sandra, do you want to say a couple of closing words? I do. Um... Again, Anthony um, and crew, thank you very much for allowing for this opportunity. I think Freddie is looking down from heaven on us and smiling and so. saying, well done, well done, saying well done. Um, she truly, her, her legacy will live on and she really epitomized what a a quiet warrior should be because sometimes it's not about jumping up and down, screaming, yelling, and hollering, but it's those quiet words. It's those profound words. It's the that the encouragement, the pouring into you. Those are the things that are going to endure and your and and her works, regardless of who you happen to be, which aisle, which side of the aisle you sat on from a blindness perspective, it didn't matter. If you were blind or had low vision and she was in a position to help, that is what she did. And that is the most important thing that we should all take away from her life, and from the celebration. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, you know, I, I always say this is, you know, I just shepherd it. This is not my show. This is all of our show. So thank you for coming to us with this and, and giving the opportunity. I learn so much from, from hosting this show, from our history to issues that I never would have thought about um, and so I'm so grateful that people feel that this is a, spa a space 
for celebration, for remembering and for, for exploring our history. Um, thank you everybody that shared. There was some really beautiful moments today. Um, we are going to transition into a um, little bit more of a celebratory um, conversation. But before we do, Bryn, uh, you guys in your home affiliate have something cool going on. And um, can you tell us about it? We do. I will try to uh, channel my inner uh, Billy Mays um, <laughs> in, in this uh, ad here. Um, so the American Council of the Blind of Minnesota is selling these lovely uh, hoodies and shirts and totes made by Blind Girl Designs. And I have a little promo to read from Janet Dickelman. Uh, it says blind. Oh, Janet. <laughs> yes, thank you, Janet. And um, thank you, by the way, for helping me out with the audio equipment at the uh, most recent ACB quarterly meeting. Uh, I got to see these shirts that are being sold and they are absolutely beautiful and I plan on buying one as well. So uh, blind girl designs. We all love blind girl designs. Um, they are thrilled to design a series of Minnesota t-shirts, hoodies, and tote bags as a fundraiser for ACB of Minnesota to support the James R. Olson Memorial Scholarship Fund. We are selling the following items. A Minnesota State hoodie in cherry red or black, and that is $49. A Minnesota State crew neck sweatshirt, and that's in cherry red or black. That's also $49. A Minnesota State t-shirt in cherry red or black, and that's $29. And a Minnesota State big canvas tote, and that's available available in black, and that is $26. Each item features braille made with puff paint and very easy to read. The picture on all of the items uh, is of a brilliant yellow sun, uh, it's a brilliant yellow sunset over a tranquil blue lake surrounded by fir trees. The dappled reflection of the sun sparkles golden yellow in the blue lake. And in fact, this yellow reflection continues into the word Minnesota. It is in big colorful letters that fades from yellow to various shades of blue. Beneath the printed word is the same word in Braille, in 3D ink, and a brilliant blue hue. These blues are a continuation of the story of the lake. Although the sun dominates the image, it is surrounded by a fir tree with many shades of green on the left, and another giant fir tree on the right, which is actually a bit taller than the sun, also in many shades of green, which seem to be reflecting the light of the sun. One last grand fir tree with a brown stump is at the edge of the scene. The overwhelming outlook is of serenity and peace, which, you know, Minnesota lakes are known for and is a place of beauty, which we all know is Minnesota. Shirts are available in sizes small to 5XL. To order any of these lovely items, visit our website at blindgirldesigns.com slash collections slash ACB dash Minnesota. Again, that website is blindgirldesigns.com slash collections slash ACB dash Minnesota. And if you prefer to do it by phone, you can order directly from Blind Girl Designs by calling 862, sorry, yeah, 
448-1011. I'll repeat that number one more time. Get those brown notes ready. Get those styluses ready. Get that notepad open. The number again <laughs> is 862-448-1011. And that is why Bryn reads most of the announcements because I am still in the very early stages of learning Braille. But one of these days, I'm going to shock you all. Thank you so much, Bryn. And I hope that this raises <laughs> a nice amount of money for Minnesota. You're Thank you, welcome. Janet, for sending this in. Yes, all you're right, welcome. I... Be, be dialing people. Be dialing because uh, operators <laughs> are standing by because we can't afford to give them chairs. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. I am very pleased to welcome back to Sunday Edition someone who has been here many, many times and who those who are regular listeners know is the love of my life, Mr. Gabriel Lopez Cafati. I want to say first and foremost, congratulations on a incredible simulcast of the Audio Description Gala. And I know that there was so much work behind it, and there's a lot of work still going on behind the scenes for more Spanish language content. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the process and then introduce our special guests. Welcome, Gabriel. Thank you, Anthony. And uh, thanks, Bryn, Sheila, Lucy, everyone who was involved in making happen, making Sunday edition happen. Um, <clears throat> uh, wow. <clears throat> I, I, you put me right on the spot there to uh, talk about the process because actually our guest, uh, <laughs> one of our guest speakers, probably is more uh, ensconced in the what is the actual process, but I'll do my best and then I'll obviously introduce um, our guests. Uh, so yeah, uh, as we have grown in Spanish content uh, within the American Council of the Blind, um, it, it came up that uh, we were trying to do so just for everyone to understand or, or, or to kind of follow the sequence of what we're doing, uh, not only at the board level, but uh, also at the MCAC uh, and uh, the Hispanic subcommittee. Uh, what we're trying to do is trying to go uh, by big events. So the largest and most uh, attended events within ACB, that's where we're starting. And then from there, we're going to go into the more detailed events. So obviously, um, the audio description gala being one of our um, most resounding events in the last three years, um, it uh, it came up that we wanted to really give that offering to our uh, Hispanic community or Spanish speaking community. So we did. <laughs> it was not like Anthony said, it was not an easy task. And it was not something that uh, just us with an ACB did. Those of you who watched or heard the um, uh, audio description gala this week, uh, this past Tuesday, uh, imagine uh, if this if the English version was so involved. Imagine that times two, <laughs> and um, <clears throat> we had the participation of um, many key players. We had the support of uh, the you know major participants as far as. Um, Netflix. We started off with a collaboration with Telemundo, which we still need to uh, reapproach and and kind of like uh, work a little bit more with the um, Spanish uh, or the 
uh, yeah, Spanish content networks like Telemundo and Univision being the biggest ones. And I think this is the perfect segue for me to uh, just be quiet for a little bit and introduce our very, very dear friends and just absolutely esteemed uh, partners in crime. <laughs> we couldn't do this without the technical and the logistical know-how and their expertise of the CAPTA Foundation, uh, of which uh, Maria Victoria Diaz, a very, very dear and personal friend of mine and uh, leader in the community of um, inclusive content in Spanish is here with us. So hi, Maria Victoria. Welcome to Sunday edition. Hello, Gabriel, Anthony, and all the audience here. It is really great to be here with you in this um, not sunny Sunday in in uh, Orlando, Florida. Um, <laughs> um, it was really amazing to be able to collaborate in this uh, effort to make sure that the Spanish language audience um, had the same opportunity that everybody else to enjoy the gala. And I think that we did a really good job uh, considering that this is the first time that Spanish um, uh, feed was um, um, available for everyone. And I can tell you that we had in, in YouTube right now, I just um, um, saw this morning that we have 880 views in the YouTube feed for the Spanish version of the game. Wow. And uh, yeah, so the English version had 995. So we are really close. And, wow, and this is this, just the first yeah. time. Yeah, this is the first time. So I think that it, that it is wonderful to be able to notice how the other description in Spanish and all the Spanish speakers here in the state are uh, now together trying to ask for more content. So I remember the first time that we did something big and it was like in front of the FCC. I don't know if um, Judy that, that has been part of our, our effort since the beginning, like 20 years ago, remember when we went to the FCC asking for audio description in Spanish and content in Spanish. Um, if you can help us with that, Judy, so a little bit um, of background on how or when the efforts in this um, in this field started. Wow! Hi, everybody. Happy to be here. I'm so excited that there were so many viewers on the YouTube channel for the Spanish gala. Um, I was actually going back and forth between both of them, and I was super excited and think that the Spanish uh version uh was awesome the the voices were great um sometimes the I voices would hear, were amazing <laughs> yeah sometimes I would hear things and I'd go I wonder how they're going to interpret that and then they did awesome <laughs> so great um as far as the year that we went to the FCC to advocate for um for there to be um mandated Spanish language audio description content for the Spanish channels. I want to, I got to look, I'll look and I'll, and I'll see if I can find it before we, we get off of here, but I want to say it was like 2012 or something like that. 
Um, and yeah, seems like not so long, but also a long time ago. Um, and we, we did, we stood up there and, uh, tried to convey the importance of having Spanish language, um, audio description content and how there was a market out there for us. And, you know, we were a little bit discouraged because it was like, okay, we have to go through a million hoops. I don't know how this is going to happen. And, and here we are. Um, sometimes, you know, it, it can be discouraging at first, but persistence and patience really pays off. And how wonderful that um, Alma was recognized on, on, the, um, on the gala itself. Um, what a beautiful mm -hmm. show. So it's sort of a full circle moment um gabriel was monitoring it and you know in the spanish feed and i was listening in the the regular feed and and at times we were taking our earbuds out to make each other hear certain things and, and uh, like you said the voices were tremendous so could you walk us through a little bit how setting up and and how it actually works that it's live, you know that it's being you know simulcast um you know on two separate acb media net um network channel streams um, and just give us an overview of how that process works. Um, sure, Anthony. So um, we started, uh, so basically the show was pre-recorded. That's the, the beauty of that because we uh, had time to prepare <laughs> everything. Um, so the first recording in the Terry uh, Rock uh, studios, it was like, um, I guess that it was like around one month ago. And all the pieces early, early um October, yeah. Yeah. So we had time to to know uh, the the presenters uh, comments and all the pieces for the videos and uh, and we had um we were coordinated with the audio description part of it with George Snyder our, and, and his team. So we knew who um the participants were. Um, so we try to put all our voice actors talents uh, and, and match the voices of the participants in the gala is what we did. And then uh, we created like that. I was so impressed with that, Vicky. Yeah, did you like it? I am, I'm so glad. We had just like, two yes. people that we needed to change. Dan, I guess, that we needed to change that because we didn't like at the, at the like, Two days before the the uh, we didn't like uh, dance uh, <laughs> uh, actors, so we needed to change that. And someone else that it was not matching uh, so good. But um, we produced the audio description in Spanish ourselves, so it was our audio description. But other than that, we created the script based on the English language script. Yep. And we tried to match every single character. And um, I think that it, it, it came really good. I, I like that. And I'm so excited to see the numbers growing because um, we can show that, okay, we have Spanish speakers in the U.S. interested in this discussion. We need to um, do more activities and make sure that our community is going to participate more in the process of describing and, and narrating and uh, just uh, we need to make sure that the Spanish language networks in the U.S. understand that we are here and we need them to start working with us, with the community, on uh, making sure that Spanish language content 
is described and available for everyone. And not only that, Vicky, but um, before, I mean, probably I'm jumping a couple of steps <clears throat> uh, ahead of our conversation here, but um, <clears throat> I think this is a moment that uh, Vicky and I both and Judy and everyone who has been a part of of the efforts of um, providing Spanish content for our blind and visually impaired uh, community here in the U.S. is is something that we have had to address uh, at so many levels uh, at the ACB board level in conjunction with MCAC, the Hispanic Subcommittee, in conversations and collaborations and uh, partnerships with DICAPTA. Because I always say that one of my favorite mottos in life is to try to go to the basics and try to analyze things from a very, very basic perspective. And I always try to give people the idea of, okay, we need to figure out what's going to be first, the egg or the chicken. Because some people are uh, of the belief that we need to create everything and then invite people once it's done. But um, we have come to the conclusion that that's not how it works. Uh, you know, the other famous saying, you know, build it and they shall come is 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 more the motto that we're following because that seems to be, you know, people, people, attention span, patience, whatever you want to call it these days is 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 not so so ample. So we need to really, really hit while the iron is hot. So we need to create the content, create the events, create the opportunities and invite people and tell them, come over, look at what we're doing, listen in. You've been asking for it. Okay, here you go. Spread the word, help us promote. So so that um, I think the numbers that Vicky has shared with us today speak volumes of, of that um, philosophy that we've been following in conjunction between ACB, Hispanic Subcommittee, and DICAPTA, which is provide the, the, the offering and then let people know so that they can come and they can see that this is a reality. This is not a promise that's going to come maybe in three months, maybe in six months, maybe next conve <clears throat> convention. I'm sorry. This is something that both ACB and DICAPTA are already doing. They're advocating. Uh, they had been advocating since 20, what was it, Judy, 2014 or 2012? So I, I just looked it up. It was November 1st, 2011 was when we oh, did that presentation. Wow. Yep. So imagine. So we wow. went, we had been advocating for this for what, over 12 years 12 now? Years. And it took the magic of ACB to um, marry the Capta in this effort to make it happen. And and this is these numbers are so important. I'm gonna also let Vicky talk about the importance because these numbers are so so fundamental, not only for Decapta but for ACB also because we depend a lot on grants, and these numbers are gonna back up many many grants that are out there uh, for Spanish speaking content that for accessible Spanish speaking content that both Decapta and ACB uh, are leaders in the U.S. right now. I just have to jump in here for a moment and say I am so happy to hear these numbers as well because it is going to make it a lot easier for me to advocate that we add a Spanish language option for our People's Choice Awards next year. I don't know if we will get that through or oh, not, but I will don't be get very Vicky loud. started because <laughs> Vicky, Vicky I will be very loud about advocating for that. About it, yes. I'm sure Vicky's <laughs> going to say something about it. Yeah, and then and then we need more content um, uh, too. So uh, you know that um, the the um, 
the companies are investing a little bit in the Spanish language content, but I think that the owners of the Spanish language content themselves, they are not aware of the possibilities and the audience that they have. And um, it's not just um, the Latinos in the US, we are interested, of course, in serving that um, this population first, but you can see the effect in other countries too. Um, we learned in, in the in the post meeting after the gala that some people from Mexico called ACB and said like, oh, thank you. We don't have the opportunity to have all the descri description in our country. And we were so pleased um, to follow the gala in Spanish and, and, uh, and have that opportunity. So it is not just that we are serving our uh, our population here in the States, but we can spread the good news of audio description in Spanish in other countries that of course are behind our efforts in audio description. That's so cool. Let me ask you this, Vicky. Um, you know, a lot of content um, providers will talk about commenting and liking. So if folks, um, does it help your advocacy efforts if folks who enjoyed the content go back to YouTube and leave some comments? Uh, yeah, for now, what I, I don't see any comments in the in the link, but uh, but uh, but I, what I can tell you is that we can start spreading the word if we work together. So that's the thing. Uh, we have um, Latinos for Access Facebook, and we're trying to encourage people to go there and add comments. And now um, I, I think that we need to design more communication channels to make sure that the audience come and see what they want, how they like it. Um, the movie that they um, watch with the Spanish or the description, how they like it, the other description in Spanish, or uh, if they like it or not. Um, so it, this is a common effort that we need to start in, Providing more communication channels, I think that is that is a good idea to receive more feedback, Anthony. So can you um can you take us back to the beginning and tell us how Decapta got started and some of the shining successes that you'd like to promote a little bit? Hmm, okay, that's like a uh, history. So uh, we started working in this field like 25 years ago. Um, most of the work that we have done in Spanish is funded by, uh, by the U.S. Department of Education. So the content available right now in Spanish, we have done more than 3,000 hours of uh, audio description in Spanish, but most of that is for educational content. Um, so now we are seeing that the platforms, if you go to Netflix or Amazon, you, you can notice that they are translating to Spanish their audio description that they already have in English. But for the original content in the Spanish is where we are not seeing um, the, the, the growth. Um, we started doing that with phones, and um, that's the only way to do uh, this kind of work because it's not mandated. So the Spanish language uh, audio description is not mandated by the FCC, um, but uh, probably soon we're gonna we're gonna see a change in policy that that is gonna impact that. Uh, for now, you can just go and enjoy some of the uh, Spanish language content if you visit Old for Access. 
um, callforaccess.com. We have a catalog there. Um, and some of the content is available in YouTube, for example. And using an app, you can just sync and see the audio description and enjoy the audio description in Spanish. Um, it's a, um, it is a lot of information that, uh, that I would like to provide, but if you go to allforaccess.com, you can find a catalog and, and right there, you can see some of the description in Spanish that, uh, that you can enjoy for free. Um, just following with a with um in application. That's one effort that we did um, most of the funds coming from the Department of Education um, and some other from Bicacta specifically. Very nice. Gabriel, so tell us how the DATAPTA ACB partnership came about. Um so um it basically it's the answer is going to be very simple but I'll but I'll walk while walk you all through the through the thought process um even though like i said the and the 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 answer can be as simple as uh, <laughs> there's no one else with whom we would partner um you know they have the the technological capabilities it is impressive and i'm going to talk a little bit about what they're doing and 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 what we're involved in um so obviously when we uh discussed having um the uh spanish version of the audio description gala uh decapta honestly was part of the conversation since the beginning because I don't think this is something that we would have ventured as ACB uh, into without DICAPTA. Uh, like I said, they have the know-how and uh, they are just the, the, the authority in whatever it is when you talk about um, uh, accessible content in Spanish. So um, we had so many questions and and the capta in this case Vicky had so many answers um and uh and we we just uh started working together since the very beginning um the capta was part of our uh you know committee our planning committee and um everything that was happening in english was simultaneously happening in spanish so it was not uh an afterthought or it wasn't a kind of like trying to do something on top of what's already being done. So I'm very happy that uh, this this has given us a, a, a lot of know-how and a lot of insight on into how to actually do uh, Spanish content or how to produce accessible Spanish content, which is working hand by hand. And, uh, uh, you know, like I said, we had questions and they kept had answers throughout the process. Uh, and solutions, um, they decided that they were taking over the entire technical aspect of it, the uh, human talent of uh, translating and uh, audio describing, which is you know part of what they do. Uh, basically, what we do in English, they do in Spanish. Uh, so, so they um, also helped us uh, getting contact within the media. And uh, promotion, promotion. They've also been key in promoting, you know, um, 
before Kelly Gas uh, left ACB, and you know we were able to manage a lot of the um, outreach that was going to be done. And uh, like Vicky was saying, Latinos for Access is a huge channel where a lot of people, Spanish-speaking people who are blind and visually impaired, get their information about what's going on and uh, also give their input. So we did a lot of cross uh, communication and a lot of cross posting. Um, Vicky and I started working on uh, contacting a very, very famous, um, uh, po uh, not podcaster, influencer, a young girl who's blind deaf. Um, she's uh, uh, actually visually impaired. I think she's, uh, she's uh, a, a partial. Um, and she, uh, her name is Katarina Rivera and her, her hashtag or her, uh, social media name is blindish Latina. And, uh, she has, I think somewhere close to 20,000 followers. Uh, it so happened that, uh, Vicky helped me a lot and, you know, she jumped in while I was at guide dog school in June and, uh, we kind of like tossed <laughs> the ball around each other. And we got that collaboration, which I'm sure was great. Uh, she recorded a promo for us that was, uh, you know, uh, promoted all over our channels, both the Capta and ACB. And uh, Vicky and I participated in multiple radio interviews with uh, many prominent yes. Hispanic radio shows, not only in the U.S., uh, continental U.S., but Puerto Rico. And those people, in turn... Uh, took our interview and posted it on their web pages, and you know, basically, the the like I said, going back to the to the basic elements for the or the very very basic nature of what we're talking about. That's, I think, the in essence the 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 description of what social media is. <laughs> so it 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 just spread the word spread out uh, like like wildfire in a good sense. And um, and and like I said, Decapta has been fundamental. Not only uh, the technological part, all Decapta. <laughs> we provided the content; they converted it to Spanish talent, everything. And then the promo. Uh, it was it was a a collaboration that happened uh, very very uh, symbiotically. You know, it was a it was a good synergy. This is so Judy, and I. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no I just wanted to jump in because um, I've been honored to be collaborating with Decapta since 2006 uh, or so. And I I just wanted to throw in here that that one of the amazing things about working with Decapta is that they are doing this because they fully believe in it. They want to make the world a better place, a more inclusive and accessible place for everybody. And that's where everything that they do comes from. Their heart is is totally in it. And I'm just so honored because this whole team is so committed to um, accessibility and inclusion for everybody. And um, it's just great to to be able to collaborate with such a dedicated and, and committed group of people. Yes, I agree. Thank you so much. So I think that we are doing this together. So um, <laughs> the good news are that uh, we're just starting. Um, for next year, I can tell you that we have wonderful surprises in the field. Um, Tony, you have to test, you have to prove the technology for narration that we are now inviting 
all our community to practice and test how to narrate. It is totally accessible. You can just go narrate the audio description, narrate uh, for dubbing processes. Um, we're gonna start uh, inviting the community to be part of that. Um, well, you dubbing. already started. <laughs> uh, so it's like, um, like like a dream that came through, putting together all the pieces, now using technology to be able to collaborate and really include the community in all the processes for localization and audio description. So I have a couple of questions, um, but I am a big fan of shout outs. Um, can you shout out the voices that we heard um, on the simulcast? Um, of course, we had uh, Oscar Cuesta, and, um, and he's our uh, director of dubbing. And, um, and we have um, um, Andrea Jimenez created the, the Spanish language script. And um, we had Conchita, so I, I, we haven't, we haven't yeah. mentioned that. And Conchita was one of the presenters, and she's Latina, and she's part of our uh, advisory committee. And of course, her voice was there too. And um, we had uh, who else was part? The I, I think that we have like 20, vo 20 different voices, uh, voice talents participating. So, but um, the audio description was Oscar Cuesta, created by uh, Andrea Jimenez. Um, I think that those are the, the ones that I don't, uh, I, that I can't forget um, today. <laughs> the primaries. Um, well, when you go back and have a team meeting or whatever, please send uh, shout outs. We the, the voices were phenomenal. It was a flawless simulcast. Um, I, to pull back a little bit and just talk in general, you were mentioning before about the Spanish networks. Do you know approximately how much audio description is available in, in Spanish? Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I have no idea. So for a Spanish language and networks, uh, just one or two channels, so semillitas that mm -hmm. receive the recognition. They are like a cable channel and uh, in Spanish, and they are including audio description in every single show uh, for kids. That's the only one, I guess, that is uh, available uh, fully with audio description in Spanish. Yeah. But for example, Univision and Telemundo, they're not doing anything. So, and they have like a, a Bix that is their, their now their uh, streaming services, and uh, they're not including um, audio description on it. But um, hopefully, as soon as we can show them that they need to figure out how to start, because um, we have the community waiting for it. So mm -hmm. I do have, this is Judy, I do have something to add. Um, it's super exciting. Um, Plaza Sesamo, so Sesame Street oh, in yeah. Spanish. So oh. now their YouTube channel has the ability to uh, listen to audio description. You can choose that as an option, which is not very, not something that's available very widely. I've never seen that before. And it was super exciting to be able to just go to one of their episodes, choose Spanish audio description, and 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 you had it. Yeah, that is awesome. We that's that's one of that's you know we're being very ambitious here, Anthony, because that's one of the things that um uh, came came out as a as uh as a uh, as as an area 
in which we both, the Captain ACB, want to collaborate uh, moving forward, which is advocating within the networks and also advocating uh, within our um, legislators to make sure that uh, audio description is also, you know, we need to start somewhere. Um, so we're not expecting that all of a sudden everything is going to be audio described in Univision and Telemundo. But um, just like uh, the FCC has imposed, uh, you know, certain uh, quotas on on the major uh, English uh, networks, networks. Uh, that that's that's where we want to start. We want to start with making sure that that uh, that it transfers into the Spanish um, language networks. And that we can start, you know, and the beauty of it is that we're not just advocating in a sense in which we're demanding, demanding, demanding. We're advocating and at the same time, we're offering the mm -hmm. services. How the technological ability that uh, the CAPTA has to offer and, you know, the, the know-how that ACB has in, in, in English, uh, which... Uh, you know, we we have again. I'm probably gonna say it. <laughs> I've said it ten times, and I'll say it ten more. You know, we can we have something tangible with uh, this past audio description gala to show what can be done if you find the right key players and if you put them together. Well, I will give you the benefit of some of my marketing um, brain identify a telenovela producer and bring the audio description gala to them and show them <laughs> and get them on board because once you get a telenovela on board i think you'll get a whole lot more on board i, uh, <laughs> I agree well, that, once that it... would be great yeah yes. yeah true. if we yeah. could get televisa on board televisa is you know the just yeah. at least in Mexico, and I think Televisa is a big player. I think they bought Univision and Telemundo, so I think everything's Televisa now. <laughs> oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, yeah the only thing that uh, Univision has ever done audio described was the Univisionarios uh, Awards uh, what was it called? Uh, gala or whatever. And that was yeah. because Maria Victoria was one of the honorees, and she was like, I... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna go this unless it's audio to describe exactly. you, go girl. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I thought that we, okay, so this is just the first time that they already had all the settings, they have the, um, the technical experience, so we're going to do all their live events, and we tried the second one, and they, they didn't respond, uh, yeah. so it's like, okay, no, I guess it is not anymore, but it was so amazing to have the, the audio description live. <laughs> it's you funny know, because we 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 all I'm sorry Anthony but we we you know we, this is just to just to let everyone know I'm going to brag a little bit about how how resilient this this group is you know us uh, uh, you know this this group of of accessibility hispanic people <laughs> that you're listening to here and everyone who works behind us because there's a ton of people uh, behind the um, hispanic subcommittee and there's a ton of people behind the capta um, so you're you're basically hearing the voices here with the three of us. 
but there's a lot of people and this is how resilient and how persistent we are uh, we don't give up we 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 hadn't we hadn't in uh, and I'm not going to mention names because of privacy reasons, uh, but we had an in with Telemundo, actually. Someone right here, local in Miami, uh, had great conversations, participated in a few of our planning committees, and we were so excited uh, because when, when this person saw that, that big players like Lori Samuels were involved, uh, you know, we could listen and we could literally hear their eyes like bulging up when when we mentioned Lori in one of our in one of our planning meetings and unfortunately this person had to step down and had a career um change and moved away from Telemundo and pursuing a different uh, career path but we're back to ground zero and if we got this person on board we're going to get the next one as well yes we will so, back to those numbers for a minute um i am so impressed by them what what would you say to listeners? What can what can listeners do to support the advocacy in this area? Um, I think that if you if you help us to spread the word, that would be amazing. I know that you have some Latino friends um, close to you. Just please let them know that uh, we're doing efforts to make sure that services for the Latino community with sensory disabilities in general and specifically in, uh, in, in, in our field. So we are trying to make that happen, um, but we need their help. We need them in the meetings, we need them um, asking for services in, in Spanish and not just in Spanish, you know, because um, I have heard that um, Latinos, we are a community with a specific needs, not just the language mm -hmm. is what is affecting us. It's just yes. that we need to know how to navigate the system. We need to know how yes. the U.S. work, how the services uh, work. Um, that is true that we have free services somewhere. That is true that you need that you're gonna obtain your services even if you uh you are not you have not your um immigration uh, situation solved you're gonna receive services that uh, your kids are gonna be able to study and then uh, mm -hmm. and uh, that's important to know that it's not just the language it's the system itself how it works it is really different um how the United States work than any uh, of our original countries work so we need to learn to navigate and you need to learn how to communicate and on the other side someone who's not from the latino community you need to um open your ears and uh and uh, give us the opportunity to express ourselves even though we have accent our english is not perfect uh we have brilliant ideas and uh, we have things to say and uh, we have the right to be here, and uh, but we need people um, interested in listening. Uh, so uh, that's I think that it's the main message. We need to be heard, and um, um, and and uh, we need to be part of the conversation. So, what are some tangible things that somebody can do um, to advocate for? audio description in Spanish um, 
you know, how can the message get to where it needs to go? Like with, to the FCC with like, there are X amount of people requesting it. Where do they request it with the television providers? Do they request, like, how do we, what can we, what what tangible things? What I think is that through ACV, it is powerful, you know? It's like, because um, what what I think is that we encourage people to go through ACV, we're gonna be a force. And then uh, we're gonna be able to go to the networks because they already know the, the the path, you know. Is what I think, uh, honestly, because uh, you have seen what ACB um, was able to do with HBO, for example. All the efforts uh, through the mm-hmm. audio description project, for example. Yeah. Uh, if you if we go through and with um, ACB, I think that we're gonna be um more success is like it's what I, it's really what i think in this specific field of audio description i think that that's a way to go i would definitely suggest also the facebook group of course but you know on shows pages that aren't audio described you know um put comments mm-hmm. there and also mm-hmm. on ones that are audio described shout them out and share it as much as you know as much as listeners possibly can Let's do a quick hand check. Sheila, Lucy, do we have anybody that has questions? Yes, sir. Not on Zoom and not on Clubhouse. All right. So, Gabriel, am, am I not? Are there any questions that I haven't asked that should be asked? Well, your, I, I admire <clears throat> many things <laughs> in you, of course, but, uh, but uh, your interviewing skills. But one of the things that I want to actually expand <laughs> since I just checked the time and I see that we're we're almost I mean time flies when you're having fun <laughs> uh the the what Vicky was saying uh it, it I, I hope we can we can get the message across that audio description is a way in which we're not only providing entertainment but also information much much needed information um, information is vital for so many members in our community. Um, like Vicky was saying, uh, many people who do not have a, a, a still who are still working actually on their um, immigration path, uh, who are already here and who are trying to uh, just get. Imagine if if a sighted person who has Still, who is still navigating the immigration process, imagine what a blind or visually impaired person or the parent of a blind kid who doesn't have access to information. Um, maybe their kids are at home uh, being prevented from, from, from education, sometimes even uh, afraid of taking them to a hospital. So just keep in mind that, that, that the impact of audio description and information in Spanish for make, making it accessible is is so vital for so many people uh and obviously it's also a right like vicky said it's also a right on whichever whichever uh, aspect of the audio description uh or accessible information um in, in whichever aspect you may fall whether it be entertainment where it be legal uh information whether it be education medical etc. You know, there's just so many areas and and we are pioneers here. We have the capability, we have the resources, we have the people, we have the passion, and we have 
the the uh this magnificent i don't know what to call it marriage <laughs> between acb and decapta that uh, i mean we, we can definitely make the difference for so many people out there so please spread the word um to me that's that's been fundamental and i've been saying it since the very beginning since we started with uh you know acb started uh producing spanish content uh it's 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 a matter of spreading the word because there are people who need it there are people who want it there are people who have been waiting for it and and we have it here we're we're we, you know it's it's we we fast forward it and we're here and and we just need to let them know that information is here and that we are here uh not only for our english speaking blind and visually impaired uh folks but also for our spanish speaking and eventually our plans like vicky mentioned earlier are to also venture out into latin america and provide you know, become this source of information and audio description uh, and accessible uh, information for people in other parts of the world, like, you know, obviously Latin America and Spain. Uh, we're, we're very ambitious. We have a lot of plans. Um, Vicky and I have a, an actual <laughs> set of meetings, both in person and virtual, that we were trying to work on um, I, I reached out to Vicky also because we want to do a lot uh, in Puerto Rico. Uh, believe it or not, folks, Puerto Rico is a, uh, you know, as we all know, it's part of our union. Uh, but still, the predominant language there is Spanish. And we have a huge population of blind and visually impaired children, right parents of blind kids, uh, blind and visually impaired adults who only speak Spanish. So there's a huge population we need to serve and it is it is part of our mission so we are going to do it well maybe we can dub the second half of sunday edition today in spanish and put it out on socials and and feeds um well, is there anything you can tease for us that is coming up out of the hispanic subcommittee well the um you know Whenever, whenever there's something huge happening, everything else is on pause, unfortunately. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. few coming up to leadership, it was, you know, translation, interpretation, convention, same thing with resolutions and everything. Audio description, Gayla. So here we are <laughs> trying to, trying to uh, resuscitate ourselves after the audio description, Gayla. But um, the uh, Hispanic subcommittee will reconvene towards the end of uh, the year because we want to uh, approach uh, community, ACB community, because we want to provide uh, probably by monthly show. And this has been in the works since a year ago, but it's just, it's just, we just need to have the content. Those of you who are content creators know how difficult it is. Obviously one of our first shows is going to be featuring Decapta and, and what they do in the collaboration with ACB but we are going to have a bi-monthly show just in Spanish for Spanish speakers, uh, part of the ACB community network. Awesome, uh, awesome, awesome. This awesome. is, this is my I just want to share something that just, uh, uh, I think that good news are coming. The newest commissioner at the FCC, her name is Ana Gomez, and uh, she is giving her remarks in English and Spanish. Um, so, Good news. Good news, Connie. Yes, that's great. Much, much, much good news. Judy, Maria, thank you so much for joining us today. Gabriel, thank you for this partnership and introduction. 
and thank you for all the great work. Like I said, it was an, and it was amazing to be able to bounce back and forth and, and hear it in both. And I am still learning my Spanish, still learning my Braille. Um, but maybe by <laughs> this time next year, we can do some of the interview in Spanish. <laughs> all right. Uh, um, also, listen. thank you to Sandra Sermons and everyone who spoke about Freddie today. Um, I am taking off next week for Thanksgiving. So next week will be a rerun, but we will be back on December 3rd with a couple show. Uh, we haven't done one of those in a long time and I have three great couples lined up. Um, and then we have two holiday shows after that. So stay tuned to the announcements for Sunday edition. Sheila, Lucy, Bryn, as always, thank you so much. Everybody have a beautiful and wonderful Sunday and a beautiful Thanksgiving. Check out the Friendsgiving uh, from 12 to 8 on the community. I think it's probably 5, but if I'm yes, wrong, Lucy will jump in. All right. All right. Happy Sunday, everyone. Thanks for having thank us. You. You've been listening to Sunday Edition on ACB Media. Stream one. That's American Council of the Blind Media or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Episodes drop every week at 1 p.m. on Sundays. And you can email us at Sunday Edition AC, all one word, Sunday Edition with the letters AC at gmail.com. Let's brunch again together next Sunday.